Hello, welcome to Wine, Women, and Writing. This is Pamela Fagan Hutchins. This is the podcast where we talk with mostly female writers, although I don't discriminate, but we talk to writers who have fantastic female characters at their cores, as well as the real life issues that translate into great reads. And we do it with humor, the occasional dive into profanity, oversharing irreverence and vast quantities of whatever gets us through another day. Today we're recording pretty early in the morning, so that's coffee and dog kisses more for me than wine. But um, hey, whatever works for you, right? And today we have someone who is new to me, and I was really excited to learn about um, Jennifer Wolf, our guest, and her breakout adult novel, Watch the Girls. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Thank you. So excited to be here. Well, so this morning... Let's start with the profanity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the... I can't even say that word this early in the morning. That's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> if we were drinking wine, it was, you know, 10 o'clock on a Friday night, I would have let it rip. Um, so <laughs> where are you coming, uh, coming to us from this morning? Uh, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Is it cold and rainy in Portland today? Uh, it's actually really sunny and cold. <laughs> but cold. the sun. But we've got a lot of sun this year, so, you know, the, the dark time hasn't come to us yet. It's actually, I, I live between um, a, a small town in Texas and a small town in Wyoming, but also have an apartment in Dallas for my husband's work. So I'm in Dallas today. I don't know whether I'm coming or going, but it is cold and rainy here. So it's almost like we've traded places. Yeah, you you got our you got our weather system. The only time I've ever been to Portland was in my past life when I was a uh, harassment and discrimination investigator and I went to work with a porn website vendor company there. So that is my one impression of Portland. Tell me something different about <laughs> Portland. Um, well, on the subject of porn, it's the it has Portland has the most strip clubs per capita of any other city, or I mean, I guess just city in the U.S. So, way to go, Portland! <laughs> way to go, Portland! Well, to me, that would make it a great place for fiction fodder. You know that that stirs the imagination. Yeah, and it, when it's rainy, like you don't want to go anywhere. You just want to stay inside and. And it forces you to get some work done. So <laughs> awesome! So um, this this podcast, I kind of think of as my personal um, book club. And if there's one thing I found, it's that book clubs really are nothing more than excuses for people to have wine clubs and, and call it a book club. <laughs> have you ever been in a book? Yes, club? I'm in a, I'm in a book club, and we drink a lot of wine. <laughs> Awesome. I was um, doing a book club a week ago called Reading um, with Rosé, and I have to shout out to them again because those are my girls. And uh, I love that they don't <laughs> apologize. You know, they just go ahead and put it in the name. It's all about our wine. Yeah. Yeah. Is, I mean, keep, it, keep it focused. Keep it real. <laughs> is, your, um, is your protagonist live and watch the girls a wine drinker? She's a drinker. I remember that. Uh, she's a drinker. <laughs> Uh, she's kind of a whiskey girl, but she I think she'll drink just about anything. Equal opportunity drinker. I've got a whiskey drinker and yeah. work in progress right now, and I find them to be really interesting characters. I found Liv to be a really interesting um, character. 
Um, before we talk about live, I did want to ask you something because I don't want to forget about it. So you've had this, this career as a YA novelist, and now you've got adult fiction. Why the transition? Was this a natural move for you, a planned move? Um, it was planned. I think, you know, I, I really enjoyed writing YA for a while, but there was a point when I, I just stopped being able to kind of figure out what the voice was. And yeah. I don't know if I just, I, I felt like I was done writing about, you know, that period of life. And, and I just wanted to do something. I wanted more freedom, I think, is, is what it was. And with YA, you're, you do have to censor yourself a little bit. And I definitely didn't censor myself much with, with Watch the Girls. Um, no, you did I, just, I wanted to feel, <laughs> I wanted to feel completely free to write about other, other phases of women's lives. And, and with live, um, part of that is, is, you know, what do you do after you have failed at your career and you're just kind of, um, washed up. And I, I don't know any, I don't really know any washed up teenagers. I wanted to. <laughs> So I had to write somebody older. <laughs> you kind of, you're kind of stuck um, in a wonderful phase with teenagers, but you're stuck nonetheless at, by the very nature of their limited existence. And I loved that in this book, you had that look back at that crazy time of her life where she was young. Mm-hmm. And you had some of those YA like moments in her. Um, in her memories, but you also had her as a fully realized adult who'd been beaten to shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, In in a way I got to, I got to use a lot of, um, you know, a a lot of my YA past to to write this since it, it tells part of the story from when she's 17 years old and then part of the story from when she's 32. And she's so much different when she's a teenager before life has beaten her to shit. And uh, (laughs) I love, I love being able to think about like, everything that happened in between where the story begins and where we see her as an adult and how all of that brought her to this moment in time when she is just completely lost and uh, a a low-functioning alcoholic. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's definitely, it's something that I, I feel like I read a lot of books where characters, you know, they have their shit together, and I love, I love a hot mess. So. <laughs> now, okay, so, so that gets to the question about how much of yourself did you bring to live? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are both hot messes. <laughs> um, yeah, I, part of this was inspired, I, I felt, I felt like I was kind of washed up myself, like I, I was struggling to, figure out what to do next with, um, with writing young adult and it just nothing, nothing seemed to be working. And, um, I had spent so much of my life trying to make it as a writer and I started to just obsess about, you know, what if I've spent so many years doing this and trying and struggling so hard to make it as a novelist and what if I just can't like, what, maybe it's that, maybe I'm done. Maybe this is it. And so I, I tend to write about, characters who are going through something emotionally that I'm going through so that I can, that if I can use that to inform where my, my character's at. Um, and, you know, it, 
I felt like I understood her, her desperation. It came through loud and clear. And I'm so glad you shared that um, with me slash us, for those of you that are out there listening, because to me also, I feel like that for a writer, you've got to be able to approach a, you know, a, a complex character from a place of authenticity yourself and either have an enormous amount of, of empathy or have experienced some of those emotions yourself. And, and you really nailed her low points, you know, in this book. So I, <laughs> I hurt for her at the same time as I kind of wanted to smack her a few times, but I hurt. <laughs> so are, are you, um, are you working on another adult fiction book now? Are you working on anything now? Are you heading back to YA? What's going on in, in your... Um, no, I am definitely, I love, I love writing um, in the thriller genre. I'm, I'm working on something now that uh, is about a very different kind of woman. I'm writing about a, a different and different in the same. I'm writing about a, a Mormon lifestyle blogger who, <laughs> uh, who ends up at the center of um kind of an online shaming scandal. And I, I think it's, I, obviously I have, I have a little bit of an obsession with um, what social media does to women's lives. And I keep, I keep coming back to that. I keep wanting to write about that. So, um, and I grew up in Utah and grew up Mormon. So I feel like I, I understand this, that, that world very well. So um, I am, I'm about halfway through that book and, Hopefully that'll be out there in the world sometime pretty soon. And I'm also a screenwriter, so I, I have a my first feature was produced uh, a few months ago, and hopefully that'll turn out to be good. <laughs> Yay! Well, uh, well yeah, <laughs> we can talk about the screenwriter stuff in in just a second. I want to hone back in on your current um, uh, novel form work in progress and just say, I find that extremely fascinating. I also think that the, the impact of media, the anonymity and the, and the, and the uh, bullying of social media or the, the capabilities of violation of privacy and bullying with social media are really fascinating as to how women get shamed. And I love that you're pulling from your, um, you know, from your religious roots. That's to me endlessly fascinating. Is it hard to write? Are you, is it coming out like water? I mean, how's it going? <laughs> um, everything is hard to write. <laughs> I, <laughs> when, when is this going to get easier? Um, no, I, I've always wanted to write. I, I've always wanted to write about Mormons because it, it's like everybody knows a Mormon, you know, like one or, you know, and they're like, I, I knew this Mormon. I know about Mormons, but like growing up in Utah, is a, it's such a different culture and it's so immersive when almost everyone you know is Mormon and, and that's your whole world. Um, but I, I feel like it hasn't been written about much as far as um, like in the thriller genre. Uh, aside from Medi Ivy Harrison, I can't, I can't actually think of anybody else who's writing about, you know, that state and that, that culture. And it's really interesting. I've tried to write about it before, but I think it was too close to when I, <laughs> the time that I stopped being Mormon. And so it was a little too like, um, angry. Yeah. And now I've, I'm not angry about the religious parts of things anymore. And so I can write about it with more objectivity and 
and write a more balanced kind of story that's not um it's not vindictive in any way it's not like attacking mormons it's just this is this is just the culture this is what it is and there are good things and there are bad things and um maybe that's you know that's part of what fascinates me about it is uh it's like there are a lot of really good things like i you know it's a really tightly knit community and and people need their communities and um but when your community turns against you then that's that's a nightmare <laughs> so oh, um yeah so it's just been and and you know that like i've seen a lot of other authors especially in ya see their online communities turn against them for um doing something that enraged you know a blogger or um or just their fans um and it's it just it's kind of terrifying to watch the angry mob come for you um, or come for somebody you know, and that, that all fascinates me. So, I, I will really definitely look forward to that one. I've got a um, a friend that writes Mormon suspense, but it is from the perspective of people that are still within the faith and missing that really cool psychological element of the you know the like you're saying the shaming, the shunning, and you know, whatever it is for the, that particular religion. I love then the conflict inherent in that and how it goes to the core of who you who your people are you know and and what do you mm -hmm. have when you lose that so i think that one would be super interesting and i know we're supposed to be talking about watch the girls but um i couldn't help but digress <laughs> glad that i did so the, the screen <laughs> um so original screenwriting or do you take other story concepts and and, and write to those or um what do you what is it that you wrote that was recently produced um that one the, i i do both um this last the the movie i did that was um that was produced and and is almost done um being edited i uh, it's um it's a, a micro budget uh story that takes place entirely in a confessional booth um and the the you know, the kind of the prompt I got from a producer was just, um, we want to write, you know, just, we just need something that takes place entirely inside like this one confessional booth that appears on a college campus and something to do with like, maybe there's been a, uh, something bad happened that the, you know, the student body is kind of reeling from. And, and so I, I came up with, um, nine different characters who, uh, we go between like their all of their different confessions, and so they're all kind of telling a story that connects in the end. And it was really, <laughs> it was a really difficult project to write because most of the time it's just one person talking to the camera. And when you don't have uh, two characters who can talk to each other, and you can't add in any action, it's that's a that's a challenge. <laughs> is a really interesting challenge and a cool concept, you know, that, oh gosh, I've, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. My A friend of mine in Houston who um, was my daughter's teacher in middle school and went on to become a um, really kick-ass um, YA novelist, wrote a book that was 
all these different narrators of the same event, you know, exchanging point of view mm -hmm. on the same situation. And I think that that's, I think that's very cool and a real challenge when you don't have the dynamic interplay and really even for your cameraman, what, what can you do interesting <laughs> of this confession? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how do you, how do you keep it dynamic? How do you keep it interesting? And I have to say the, um, the DP on the movie did an amazing job because he, we did kind of this like high tech booth that um, has cameras already installed and they're filming from different angles. So it's, this booth is, is very like mysterious. It's, it's not just a box that people are, are, you know, talking to one camera. It's they're being kind of watched from all sides and, and they don't really, they don't know like who put it there. They don't know, why they were the ones who were chosen to come and confess like it's uh it's a really it's a really cool twisty mystery and i i definitely when i <laughs> we filmed it in seven days which is a crazy crazy schedule for a, a feature and i i was blown away by these really young actors performances and how well they were how, how well they did just talking to a camera and I think it's interesting because that's a lot of what YouTube is, is, you know, just people talking to a camera and, and people will come and watch, like millions of people will watch, you know, somebody just talk, talk to them. And so it, it worked in this very strange way that seemed impossible. I, I think that's going to be pretty dang cool, actually. So um, is it, kind of, <laughs> what kind of release is it going to have? Is it something that people will be able to, um, see all over the place or how do you find this show and what's it called? I mean, I hope it'll end up on Netflix. It's called Confessional. So um, it's, I like Netflix would be great. Hulu, any kind of streaming service would be amazing. It might, it may end up going to festivals. So, um, so we'll see. I, I don't know. Now it's in the producer's hands. I, <laughs> I just have to sit back and wait. <laughs> Fingers, toes, and, and legs crossed for it. Um, okay, so... Thank you. <laughs> you're very welcome. So your um, Watch the Girls actually, to me, reads not so much like a screenplay, but with a lot of things that, that would make it a really fantastic screenplay. Did you write it with film in mind, or were you just writing to, and whatever happens, happens? Um, I wrote it, I, I, you know, I, I lived in, in LA for a long time and worked in the film industry and I'd worked on a lot of sets actually, like I'd, I'd done some screenwriting, but I, I was like, you know, I did, a, I performed a lot of different roles, like craft services sometimes or like wardrobe sometimes on these really low budget sets. And, and I got, so I got a lot of opportunity to watch actors work, which was something I'd never done before. Um, I was definitely not, you know, in in drama or like a, ever a good actor myself. So watching somebody who can really act was fascinating to me because you could feel the energy in the room change, and you could you could you could see like it was it was more emotional than uh, like performative. Like they uh -huh. would just become somebody else all of a sudden, and I. So I, I got really interested in just like how actors work and, and I wanted to write about one because it's such a strange job that, um, you know, you're, you're so much in the public eye, but nobody really understands what actors do. <laughs> I, 
I don't know if I still do. I don't know if they understand it. You know, it's just that they are, um, they're just these fascinating creatures because they put on other people and then just like wear them around for a little while. And I, you know, especially like child actors, I, I got a chance to see like a lot of really good child actors work and it was fascinating for me to watch them, especially because they're just so there. It was like, how, how can you do this? You're so young. How can you be so good? And it was just this thing they were born to do. Um, and so I, I really wanted to watch or, you know, write about a child star, but um, as we, as we all know from, you know, all the, all the lists of washed up child stars, <laughs> it's a really hard industry to sustain. It's to survive it. <laughs> yeah, they don't, it's not, not one a lot of them thrive in. So, and, you know, because all the attention and all of the, uh, all of these people watching them, all of these people, um, you know, pressuring them, it just, it breaks them. And, and, um, and I just, I, I'm just fascinated by like what happens later in life um, after you've had this huge career and then it, it all fell apart. Like you're still sort of recognizable, but you know, people are kind of like, what happened to you? And answering that question, you know, what happened to you <laughs> was what, you know, made all of this come together, what made Watch the Girls into the story that it became. And so I, yeah, thank you. Thank you, lists of washed up child stars on the internet <laughs> for inspiring me. <laughs> it would be great if Lindsay Lohan had an excuse like Liv does in this book. Because, you know, in this book, what happened, what caused this, there was a real reason for Liv's falling apart, her decline, her washing mm -hmm. up, as opposed to, um, you know, the very real pressures that child stars are under, but that aren't as concrete as in this book you know it's like pressures people washing you too much pressure and then there's Liv who very bad things are done to you very bad things are happening <laughs> it's a dark dark book I mean you went from what caused this to what's the worst possible things that possibly could have caused this so yeah what's it like <laughs> ahead of yours you write some serious it's creepy <laughs> like horror-esque <laughs> Oh, I love, I'm, I'm a, I'm a crazy horror movie fan. <laughs> um, I, my dad owned a video store when I was growing up, so I would constantly just like sneak in and steal the horror movies and watch them in secret. Um, and I just, I love, <laughs> I still do, I, I do a, a kind of like a, a, an October challenge. Every October I, I watch a horror movie every day. Um, and I try to watch things that I haven't seen before. So I have ended up seeing like so many crazy movies. Um, but I, I'm fascinated by um, kind of the whole horror movie industry and, and how um, horror movies end up reflecting the world in a lot of interesting ways. Like, um, like I get out is a good example of like a really topical horror movie. And, and I think that one was very deliberate, but um there were these like phases of of horror movies as a genre kind of uh, reflecting what people, what the world is going through. It's, it's like a mirror for society in this really interesting way. And um, now with, with Watch the Girls, there's this element of um, kind of like the, the 
fanaticism of fandom mm-hmm. um, who just, they get so obsessed with, uh, with a thing. And I think the internet like feeds people's obsessions right. and having like the availability of, you know, your kind of your cult and everybody can have like this very, anybody can have a very specific interest and find other people out there who have that one very specific interest and they can like obsess together. And so it's, <laughs> I, it's just scary and, and like, um, and just mind boggling, like how strange everything can get. Um, and, and love to hate, hate to love, love to hate just instantly, mm-hmm. you know, you're our hero. You're our absolute, you know, everything about you is bad and wrong and we're going to eat you for breakfast. You know, just <laughs> really kind of crazy. Yeah. You definitely don't, you know, don't betray your, your fans. Like, don't, <laughs> you know, don't, don't cross them. It's, it's sort of um, all of the power seems to be in the hands of, of the masses now in that way. Like it's, you know, if, if people turn against you, um, they all have each other online and they can like drive you off the internet. How, however, or drive you off Twitter, no matter how famous you are or how, successful you are you can still uh the the power is has shifted the power dynamic so it's it's very strange yeah <laughs> very, and, and it, it, it inspires me it, it's interesting to me too um when you talk about how horror is reflective of what we're going through as a society as a society and and this phenomenon is exists far beyond the entertainment realm you know it's our politicians it's you know, it's somebody that gets recognized as a hero for doing something and then later is vilified because they're disappointing to those that, you know, uh, put them on that pedestal for something else that comes out. I mean, it's, it's just, mm-hmm. it is terrifying to think I could end up in the public eye because the public eye changes on you so fast with this, the power of the internet. Um, yeah. The, the um, other things in this book that jumped out at me, and I have a list, um, but the other things that jumped out <laughs> were that you have a, you had a really, um, oh gosh, you looked into some pretty sick sister relationships here. Do you have sisters? I ha- yes, I do have one sister. <laughs> she's, old, she's a little bit older than me. She's the, uh, <laughs> Is she the good sister or the bad sort of sister? The, like, very, she's a good sister. <laughs> I'm the bad one. <laughs> I'm definitely the bad one. <laughs> well, I really. It's I the really, one who makes sure that we all get presents for people for their birthdays, and like, she's, she's the one who is the, the sister who reminds everybody like, this anniversary is coming up or this event coming up. Yeah, I never, I'm never the that sister. <laughs> well, I loved how that was at the heart of the characterization of this book as well. You know, this is something that. I always think about when I'm reading a book is no matter how different this protagonist is from me, I'm usually drawn to somebody I can relate to in some way. And most of us have a sibling. Most of us have a sister. Hopefully, you know, it's not sisters, but the relationships are as troubled as in this particular book, but it really gave (laughs) even people that might not be able to, um, have a firsthand ability to relate into the entertainment industry or the, like you said, the low functioning alcoholic element, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you can relate to someone who's lost a sister. You can relate to someone who has competitive issues with a sibling. And, and I, um, kudos to that because it was real. And, and it, in, mm-hmm. in this world of unreality within re, a reality, um, web series gave you something to anchor to the, um, the town and the inn in the book, do they have a real life inspiration? Yeah, that's, um, they have two. <laughs> uh, there's a town in, uh, that's maybe like an hour, hour and a half east of San Diego called Julian. And it's, the whole town is just like pie shops, like up and down Main Street. It's, it's the, the town in this, it, you know, I, I refer to Julian as Pie Town, but um, <laughs> it's just it's a, it's just pie. It's just all pie, and then the wolf. Like there's just a randomly a wolf preserve there, and I just thought like that's just it's just pie and wolves. Like this is the coolest, <laughs> that's coolest little town. Um, <laughs> uh, and then there's uh, another inspiration for it was Solving, which is um, kind of like Santa Barbara, and that's like this um, little Danish. Uh, Scandinavian town that's just so cute. Um, I love the idea of like really cute, adorable towns being kind of dens of like terrible things, <laughs> having terrible secrets, or uh, of like a really weird culture. Um, but yeah, you go to if you go to Solving, it kind of looks like a set for you know just for a movie, and and the town in and my book and is called Stone's Throw, and it's basically been a set for several of the famous horror movie directors' movies. And he's used he's used the town, he's used the wolf preserve in the town, he's used like some of the people in the town, um, and like it's it's got this whole other history that is a fictional history that also like came out of some of the real history of the town. It's just, I, I really love, I love creating strange small towns. <laughs> which, um, I'm doing that. I'm writing a, a, in the book I'm working on now, doing the same thing with a, a small town in Utah that was, um, you know, fictionally, I kind of a, a haven for polygamists. Uh-huh. And like, I just, you know, when you're in a, in a big city, big cities can have so much like, so much interesting history, but I feel like a small town has a more focused history and like, that's what, you know, works for me in fiction. Like I, I want to have, you know, like a very specific series of events that led to like creating the place that, you know, you now find in the book or, or movie or whatever. I um, love, I love yeah, how I, with a small town, you never have anonymity. So you can really drive up the, you know, the creepy factor by you can't get away from Mm -hmm. whatever it is that's there. Whereas in a a big city, there's anonymity, which can also be scary, but you know, that it's, it's a totally different way of approaching it than with a small town. I I too love the small towns. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, (laughs) these sound like great places for a writer's retreat too. Oh yeah. Um, Especially Julian. (laughs) Yeah. The pie. (laughs) <laughs> the pie just like eating pie, eating pie and writing books. Uh, that's a perfect writer's retreat. It sounds good to me. Well, um, would you <laughs> pick 
take a second to tell people where they can find your books, um, when they should expect something new from you, and anything else you want to make sure that we get out there before we wrap it up today. Oh, um, I think you can get uh, Watch the Girls um, in all of the, the, usual, the usual places, the Amazon, the, the Barnes & Noble, and um, most indie bookstores, book definitely Powell's in Oregon. Um, but a lot of indie bookstores should have it. And Audible, I'm a big fan of audiobooks, so, <laughs> and the reader for this book is really good. So if you, you can check out that. Um, and keep an eye out for uh, my next book, which hopefully will be out in the next year or two. Um, and for my movie Confessional that will potentially be on one of your, will just appear magically on a streaming service. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be watching for that. And your website uh, uh, is not. Yeah. Uh, they, oh, yes. And you can, you can see my young adult novels are on my website. Um, uh, J Wolf Writer is the URL. And um, my other books are Struck and The Killing Jar, which uh, there are links to everything on my website. And I think that's it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> and um, now for the really exciting part of this show uh, that my producer makes darn sure I remember that I have to say every time. This conversation has been a copyrighted production solely owned by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network where you can listen to uh, just a multitude of authors in every genre talking to other authors about their fantastic works like we did today with Jennifer and Watch the Girls. So for those of you out there that caught this live, for those of you that will catch it on recording, thanks for joining us. Um, Jennifer, thanks for being here. This was a lot of fun for me. Thank you so much for having me. And until next time, everybody, here's to real women, those who write them, good wine, and really great books. 